The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, a new feature here on the podcast. This is your look at the week ahead. A couple of big numbers on the, on the data calendar. ISM numbers coming out. The Beige Book is coming out. And we will preview the the big headliner news event, which is Apple's presser on Wednesday. What are they going to show us? This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Paul and Stephen here in the studio. And what we're going to do today, folks, is we're going to try something new. We've never done it before. We've never done it before. We, we do many new things, but we've never done this new thing. Uh, hopefully, unless we muck this up, this is going to be your week ahead preview. We'll come up with a jazzier name yeah. than week ahead preview. But uh, for now, this is your Money Beat Week Ahead Preview. Paul and Stephen here in the studio also joined by our dear friends from the Herd on the Street team, Spencer Jacobs sitting across from me, and Dan Gallagher calling in from the great state of California, the city of San Francisco. Dan, how are you? Great. So, And the reason we want to have Dan on is because uh, the, the biggest event coming up this week is actually... Well, I mean, like, let's face it. We pretty much... <laughs> Take the slowest week to start off. And a four-day week. And a four-day week. That's to ease us into it. Yeah, we, did, we it. didn't want to be overwhelmed, you know. So on Friday, there was the big jobs report, right? 151,000 jobs added. What does that mean for the Fed? We, we've done all that. Actually, the podcast we had on Friday, you can go back and listen to that one. We did to that one. So this upcoming week, slower week on the calendar uh, before we get to the big event, let, let's just point out – I'll just point out some of the things that are coming up. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, it's pretty slow. Uh, on Tuesday, the ISM non-manufacturing index, that could be interesting, the services yes, index. Definitely could can, be interesting. Yeah. Uh, especially considering what the manufacturing index looked like when that came in last week. Right. Yeah. Right. That that number is um, – you know, it's, it's a little – wonky you know in terms of these right. diffusion indexes but they're very very uh very interesting you know i wrote ahead of the tape for many years wrote about it many many times the thing is i mean it's as close to a co- coincident indicator of the economy as you can get you know right. you look back at the the last recession when the last recession began when the last recession ended and the ism indexes nailed it perfectly i mean it was months later that economists were like gee i think we're in a recession you know whatever it was yeah they they're uh, manufacturing especially but but services that, that that represents a bigger chunk of the economy i mean much bigger and two, we've like had 78 thirds, consecutive right. months of it being in, in expansion and yeah. it's, it's been tapering off recently i mean that that would freak people a bit if it if it dipped below 50 and thursday's ism manufacturing sort of you know Last Convin- week's, yeah, yeah, fell below 50. Yes. Convinced, you know, it's part of why the market, along with the jobs report on Friday, convinced the market that, you know, September might, you know, is probably off the table now. In terms of a Fed In terms of rates, Fed rate, raise yeah. rate. And it'll be interesting. One of the, you know, one of the comments about um, um, Tuesday's data is just whether 
the slowdown in manufacturing is also, you know, will be seen in the broader economy right. because retail, as we said, makes up about two thirds of. Right, right. And then, you know, speaking of the Fed, not a not a heavy Fed week, but a couple speakers, couple of speakers on on Tuesday. You have John Williams from San Francisco Fed, Dan Gallagher, your hometown. That's it. That's it. Uh, Wednesday, Esther George from Kansas City. Friday, Eric Rosengren from Boston. And we get the beige book on Wednesday, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, the one I think is interesting is Williams. Because you've – Williams well, has paper. kind of been – What? It was his paper last month. Well, right. It was his paper to where he, he talked about, you know, a rethink of policy. And, look, he's important. The San Francisco Fed is important. That's where Janet Yellen came from. So he has her ear. Uh, and he has – he's played it both hawkish and dovish lately. Mm-hmm. So, you know, which way is he going right. to go? No, it will be interesting after because, I mean, like the consensus, not everyone, you know, believes this, was that September is largely off the off the table, as I said earlier. There's still, you know, sort of a chance that the Fed could, you know, raise Well, that's, that's what I was a little surprised. Yeah. I mean, we were, we're, so we're speaking weak. about this, you know, the market's still open. It's it's Friday as we were having this, this conversation live. Sorry to give away the magic yeah. of the radio oh, there. Spencer, but, you didn't do that, yeah, did sorry, you? Sorry, guys. And, um, you know, and we're not wearing anything. I'm just They'll kidding. Never uh, know. They would have never no, known. But, Spencer, yeah. they would have never known. But, I mean, the, the market reaction, the, you know, stocks stocks rallied really on this sort of sense that it was Goldilocks in the sense it wasn't bad. 150 wasn't bad. 150,000. No. The economy was not added, falling off. But, of it, it. but it wasn't so strong. It was a lot slower than the, the, the previous two months. And so it wasn't the sort of thing that would have tipped the the Fed into acting. But I don't get that in a way. I mean, I think that the, you know, I, I the reaction is what it is. But I don't know if the the Fed cares that that's what a bunch of traders on a very thin thinly staffed day on on Wall Street thought. You know, because 150 is pretty much like 180, which was the the expectation. I mean. The standard error is 49,000 jobs. 150 is certainly, by no stretch of the imagination, weak in that context. And largely, too, August has disappointed, but then has been revised upwards, too. And, I mean, the Fed the Fed looks, too. Let's face it. The Fed isn't really looking at one month's set of data with the jobs report. It's looking at the rolling average, typically. This keeps it the rolling average at 180. We had, I believe, you know, the last December, Janet was talking about that, you know, uh, you know, basically, I think, you know, the, the economy needed to be adding 100 to cover the new employees coming in. Mm-hmm. The Fed thinks we're at full employment at 4.9 or basically full employment. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to think that this number was good enough for the Fed to act. But, uh, and there's another reason to think it was good enough for the Fed to act. Is And uh, this is maybe this is just being way too simplistic. But, I mean. What? How many windows of opportunity is the Fed going to have to act? I mean, you, you know, you're going to have to have a, a meeting when there's, you know, um, nothing on the international horizon like Brexit. Nothing that happened recently um, in, let's say, in some emerging market. No sell-off in the S and P, which does happen every three, four months. You know, as a matter of course, or bout of jitters, or or whatever. I mean, it's kind of as good as it gets. And and it may not be uh, that good. I doubt it'll be that good in, in, in December. Uh, the only real, the real strong election. reason is the presidential election, and they haven't acted and, before a presidential election in, in, uh, in decades. Yeah. And also, like, the, you know, the other thing, too, is the Fed 
basically over the last several years, I mean, you know, has basically, you know, deferred to not doing anything. That's been, or you know, aired to not doing anything when it was questionable, just because there isn't like the reason. You know, inflation isn't getting strong. There is the economy is not overheating, so they sort of played it safe and not acted. Hey, I want to, uh, I, I want to bring in Dan because Dan, you know, we obsess on this stuff in New York, out in San Francisco. John Williams, a pretty big, important Fed member from San Francisco. But what do you guys make of the Fed out there? How does how does uh, the tech world look at the Federal Reserve? <laughs> uh, you know the tech uh, the tech world is pretty heads down focused on you know what's what's next, what's coming up, and I think to the extent that you know money supply plays into you know interest rates available availability of capital and such, it it certainly matters. But it's it's really you know amongst the I, I think amongst the big tech crew out here, you really don't see that conversation sur- uh, surface very much. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, all right. right, let's. That's probably a pretty good place to take a break. Let's take a break. We have a message for you. And when we come back, we will talk about what is actually the biggest event of the week. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington and on the campaign trail. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome back to your Money Beat Week Ahead preview. Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser, Spencer Jacob, and Dan Gallagher calling in from San Francisco. And, uh, you know, we, we gave you a little flavor of what's on the calendar. There's not a lot on the earnings calendar. Uh, Barnes & Noble comes to mind. Just, you know, book lover, you know, that's why we care about those things. But I mean, there's really not much in, in the way of earnings. But in, in terms of corporate news, there there is one big event. And uh, the biggest event of the week certainly is the fact that uh, Thursday, September 8th is the 50th anniversary of the premiere of Star Trek. Right. Isn't can we all that, agree? that's the date I have circled in my calendar. Right. I know, can we all you know, agree that that's the biggest event? Li- next live, week? live long and prosper. Um, that's pretty close. It's, it's pretty close. There's some other thing I'm trying. I don't to know how I ever hired is, you. Know. <laughs> Grosser's killing me. That's right. you, you love it, Grosser. You, you love Star Trek. <laughs> and the three Big hours news. you spent at a Star Trek that was a very, this morning. That was an important news story. Very important news story. So it was time well spent. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's talk about uh, another. But, but really, plug. after Paul's long-winded. <laughs> That's my long-winded uh, plug for Star up. Trek and, and my story. Look for it. Apple. Apple. September 7th. September 7th, Apple. And that, of course, is Dan Gallagher. This is why we wanted you, the specialist, to come in and talk to us uh, about Apple. Interesting with Apple, right? They always have these things, and they're always very, you know, officially, I'm using air quotes here, hush-hush, and they don't really talk. But we all know what it's about, right? Uh, yeah. They've, uh, they're have they a secretive company that can't really keep a secret for the last few years, <laughs> right. I found. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, Okay, so what's happening when next iPhone? Yeah, that that so th- this is to introduce the what is it seven? Uh, supposedly, I mean, we you know you don't know until they actually like show off the uh, show off the name if that if they're going to stick with that convention. But if mm. they do, it'd be the iPhone seven, um, and and it's going to be it's it's interesting because you know for all the anticipation Apple's events garner, I I'd say that this one is 
relatively isn't getting as much because it's widely kind of believed and known that uh, this new phone isn't going to be that much different from what we've had the last couple of years. I mean, typically, and too, it seems to me a lot of people have been waiting for, because Apple had been on this two-year cycle. Every two years, it really revamps its iPhone, and they're not doing it this time. Um, And what's interesting is that also comes at a time when Apple's revenue from, you know, overall and revenue from iPhones has been falling. Uh, yeah, they. I mean, the sales went down. This was the first, the fiscal year that's about to that's going to end in a couple of weeks. This is the first pure year fiscal year where iPhone sales have actually declined from the year before, and that's since the the phone launched nine years ago. Hmm. Um, and that's you know the success was widely considered a very good phone, but it wasn't. I, th- I think part of it was there was this huge pull forward of demand because. There was a lot of people waiting for the iPhones to get bigger, like uh, kind of like the Android phones were. Yeah. So when they launched the 6 two years ago, that sparked this huge jump of upgrades. That And I think that kind of took took people – I think some people kind of rushed ahead and got that. And it, it just kind of really muted this last cycle with the, uh, with the success. And, I mean, Dan, you know, besides them having gone X growth, I mean, I still I find it very interesting that this is like a, this is a big, big date, a big news event, a huge rush of let's let's call it what it is, free publicity for uh, for Apple. You know, I don't don't remember the day that the Samsung Galaxy X7 came out or the Sony Xperia or the Moto Z or G or whatever they call it. You know, I mean, there there's a whole whole bunch of, of phones that come out, a few come out a month, I guess. Right. I mean. And yet this is, you know, this this is a date that people have been, you know, going crazy about. What, How how much longer can that continue? How do they keep that, that going in future years, which is what you buy the stock? It's a discounted uh, vehicle for, you know, owning all those those future profits. I mean, do people really think that in, in 10 years we're going to be making a big deal about this? Uh, you know, in 10 years we're going to make a big deal about the iPhone. I don't know. Probably not. I'm, I think it'll probably move on to other devices. But Apple, one one thing Apple's done well, and even before iPhone, is it, it created enough mystique around its products that whenever it launched something, it, it got a lot of play. I mean, remember, this is a company, I mean, before they even had iPhone or even iPod, they could launch a new Mac and get it on the cover of Time magazine. Right. And and this was and of course the Mac was a small seller compared to all the PCs that Dell and HP and everybody else put out. Those guys never got those on the cover of Time. You know, so you know, Apple's kind of prowess with design and presentation um I has generally served them well. Now going forward 10 years, some of that was Obviously, due to the mystique of this company being an underdog and run by Steve Jobs, so in 10 years from now, it's still going to be a huge company doing a lot. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know if it's going to retain the same mystique, but it'll uh, hopefully it will have diversified from its reliance on iPhone, which let's be frank, it drives two thirds of its revenue. It's a huge business on right. its own right. Have we kind of gotten past expecting this company to come out every couple of years with a product that is? quote, magical and revolutionary and changes everything? Well, I, you know, I think, they're, I, I think each year they te- they're pretty reliably putting out top-of-the-line phones. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a problem, but it's, it's more about, you know, I think this, this next cycle is going to show that you, you get to a point where bringing significant innovation gets, you, you can't always put it on a schedule. It doesn't always happen every year or every two years. You know, they can't really make the phones bigger because I think they're tapping the, 
practical size they have. You know, does it is it does a cell much better if it's a tiny bit thinner? You know, these other types of form factor changes. It's it's getting to the point where you know, and I think not just for Apple, just for any smartphone. These are these are LCD screens that people slide in their pockets, and you know, I think as time wears on, there's you know, it does get harder to do something really significant with that. I mean, one of the, I mean, I think this has been a question for many years now for Apple is what's their next product going to be? And, right. But it's not innovation because Apple has not been the sort of, I mean, smartphones existed before the iPhone. Um, you know, there were music players before the iPod. You know, the, the tablet was, you know, the iPad was not the first tablet. But yeah, Apple, they all just stunk before Apple made better exactly. ones. Exactly. Apple, you know, was able to combine, make, you know, design and user-friendly right. and, and make a product that people wanted. Um, and that's the question is what's that next product going to be? Right. I but, mean, uh, but I don't think people are really is it cars? salivating over that as much as they used to. A couple of years ago, I think there was a higher expectation, like Dan is saying, that on schedule – Apple was going to come out every couple of years with some new product that nobody had ever seen before that totally changed a, a, a slumbering marketplace. And I don't think they're like that anymore. It's, I, you know, I they, wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. They, they, I, I think they, they still have a, a, a great you know, ability to design high-end stuff. The company is now so huge, mm-hmm. it's very hard for good stuff to make um, an impact. Yes. You know, I mean, the watch was is considered a very good smartwatch for people who want smartwatches. Right. The problem is that market's kind of limited right now, and and it's it's business size. It's it's a it's a drop in the bucket compared to what they have. I mean, so right. it's, the, they the, have to, to to do something that's innovative is one thing, but to do something that has, and they actually uh, in an interview recently, I think with I think it was maybe Fast Company. One of their executives actually said this pretty bluntly. He said, you know, it's going to be really hard to do something on the impact size of the iPhone because there's no other real consumer device out there that is something that everybody in the world has or will have in their pockets when you compare it to a phone. You know, you don't get that with tablets or watches or or even cars. So the ability to make the impact they did by revolutionizing the phone um, it's really hard to repeat, even yeah. if they do great stuff in other categories. And I mean, it, it, you know, Apple's one. This was a down year for Apple, and it still was earning ten billion, oh, God, uh, roughly still made. A, a quarter, right? I yeah. Mean, how, how, how? I mean, Exxon, I think, is the only other company that is the, the top ten the billion sh- in a quarter. The, the sheer dollar amount of how much they profit every quarter is just an unbelievable am- amount of money that they make every money every quarter, every quarter. So they're Profitability is not an issue for them. No, and that, no. I think that'll continue um, as far as we can foresee. Right, right. All right, let's wrap it up there, Dan. So, Dan, I assume you're going to be covering this thing, you guys out in San Fran, wall to wall, right? I mean, big, huge, the whole <laughs> marshal all the uh, forces to cover Apple. Dan's hoping. Dan, not. Dan, Dan is Dan is coming. He's coming. A little secret. He's he's coming to New York. Oh yeah, that's right. You were saying. Oh, that's that. right, Dan. You're going to be here next week, right? I do, but I'll, I'll try to make my presence felt. You, I'm sure you will. All right. Uh, Dan Gallagher, Spencer Jacob from our Herd on the Street Brothers, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, this is Paul and Stephen, and everyone will catch up with you a little bit later. Thanks. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.